Today I've titled the message Finding Jesus, Finding Self. 예수님을 찾고 자신을 찾다 하는 주제로 제가 오늘 말씀을 전하고자 합니다. The text for today is from John chapter 1 verses 40 to 42. Very short text, but I think it's got so much in terms of riches and treasures. Uh, Uh, that can really help us and enhance us in our spiritual walk in Christ. So we're going to read the text together and in both English and Korean. And then I will get into the message for today. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. 요한의 말을 듣고 예수를 따르는 두 사람 중에 하나는 시몬 베드로의 형제 안드레라. 그가 먼저 자기의 형제 시몬을 찾아 말하되, 우리가 메시아를 만났다 하고 메시아는 번역하면 그리스도라. 데리고 그 예수께로 오니 예수께서 보시고 이르시되, 내가 요한의 아들 시몬이니 장차 개바라 하리니라 하시리라 개바는 번역하면 베드로라. 아멘. We're studying the Gospel of John, and we have discovered that the purpose of this gospel is basically to establish the witness to the identity of Jesus. And we have already discovered from our study of the prologue and the story of John the Baptist as the first witness to Jesus, that Jesus is none other than the divine Son of God, that He was God. But this God came down in the form of a human being. He was incarnated. And uh, what we see in terms of the, the expression of Logos in the prologue is that Logos is a way of describing Jesus as the perfect expression. Logos means word, and word has to do with expression or revelation, something that has to do with the truth and the reality of God. Jesus is the perfect demonstration of that. And we realize that this Jesus, in order to articulate the real heart of the Father to us, is to come and save us and deliver us from our sins. And that's why John the Baptist kept on saying that he was the Lamb of God. The Old Testament has been talking about, you know, the sacrifices and lambs that had to be slaughtered, all the blood talk. It's referring to Jesus. Jesus has come as the Lamb of God who's going to take away, wash us, wipe away of sins. And the Lord will provide forgiveness for us so that we can be reconciled with Him. And for the Jews, like especially the disciples, the first set of disciples of Jesus were all Jewish. And for them, Jesus was none other than the, the Messiah they've been waiting all these years for. Messiah who is going to finally redeem them. Finally going to establish them as a people, the chosen people of God. So what we see throughout this gospel is all these witnesses being established. And I'd like to just mention to you, uh, most of these 
have to do with how these individuals and how these substances actually witness to Jesus Christ. First of all, John the Apostle, the author of the Gospel. He is basically writing this to witness. He's saying, I witnessed this person. You know, I have a first uh, direct witness account of this person, but I want to share with you other accounts of witnesses as well. And the first witness that he established is the prophet John the Baptist. And then he has all these future disciples of Jesus. We know that Jesus had 12 disciples, but he had other disciples beside them. You know, 70 we know, and then uh, 120, uh, 500 maybe. All of these disciples of Jesus Christ were committed to Jesus. But primarily the 12, and he mentions a few of them and how they encounter Jesus. And various individuals, and that's what we'll be studying all throughout the Gospel, various individuals who actually experience Jesus. The very miraculous work of Jesus, healing the sick, casting out demons, doing nature miracles, all point to Jesus, His identity, who He is. His teachings, of course. Jesus uh, was basically witnessing to Himself and these teachings. That talks about the Father uh, having relationship with Him and Him being the one who is sent by the Father and all that points to Jesus and the identity of Jesus. And of course the events of the cross, the crucifixion and resurrection points, point to Jesus. Who was this man who's hanging on the cross, bleeding, and then on the third day rising from the dead? Who is this person? Is talking about Jesus. And of course, the Holy Spirit. In chapters 14 to 16, Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit as the very witness to what Jesus was and what he did. So everything's about witness to Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, as I consider myself a Christian and Christian minister, what is my primary duty and primary purpose in life? I think it is to witness to Jesus. It's all about Jesus because when you can point the way to Jesus to others, salvation and life and hope and futures in Jesus. It's not in the church, friends. I'm sorry, it's not in the church. It's not even in this servant of God. You know, I may guide you and teach you. It's not about anything that we humans can do. It requires the very God coming down, taking on a flesh and mediating between God and us, for us. And that's Jesus Christ. And that's what we're learning about. So today, uh, we are going to examine the witnesses of uh, the first disciples of Jesus. And we're going to particularly focus on the figures of Andrew and Simon Peter. Are you familiar with Andrew and Simon Peter? Do they have a relationship with each other? Do you recall? They're brothers, aren't they? Okay. And so we're going to be studying about these brotherly pair uh, to launch this short series of uh, encounters with Jesus Christ. So let's begin with verse uh, 40. And uh, we're going to study about Andrew first, and we're going to study about Peter next. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard 
what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother, Simon, and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. It's very interesting. From last time, uh, the verses just preceding this verse, uh, we saw that there were two who first followed, began to follow Jesus. And, and the, one of the two is now mentioned, it's Andrew, who was one of the two who began to follow Jesus. But the other one, there's no mention of that person's name. But from the pattern that we see all throughout this gospel, we see that it's probably the author himself. Author wants to stay anonymous. And he will deliberately use the terms like the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple who had such an intimacy with Jesus that he laid his head on the bosom of Jesus. But he would never mention his name. And so most scholars think that the other of the two was John. What is very interesting is that amongst the 12 disciples of Jesus, there were two pairs of brothers, Andrew and Simon Peter, and James and John. And it was out of those two pairs, two individuals, Andrew and John, who were the first to follow Jesus. I think that's quite interesting how John wanted to point that out. But what we'll come to understand is that Andrew does not become pronounced a figure all throughout the Gospels, not even in the book of Acts. In the early church days, Andrew is not as famous as the rest of the three. We hear about Peter. We hear about James. We hear about John. But we don't hear about Andrew a lot. But Andrew was the first of the disciples mentioned in the Gospel of John. He's the one who shared the Gospel to his brother, Peter, and Peter came to the Lord. Now we all remember Peter. He's the premier apostle of Jesus Christ, isn't it? That the Roman Catholic Church would say that basically all the popes are in the lineage of Peter. They are adamant about this. That we're in the line of Peter because they respect and honor Peter as to be the premier pillar apostle in the early church. But who started it all? Who kind of started this mini movement of sharing and witnessing Jesus Christ? It was Andrew. But look at this. Look at the text here. Even John articulated Andrew as Simon Peter's brother. Why did he have to say that? Why can't you just say Andrew and be done with? Why do you have to mention Simon Peter's brother? Have you ever lived under the shadow of somebody? You know, somebody else's brother, somebody else's sister, somebody else's son or daughter. Somebody else's spouse, you know. I, I take great pride in saying that I'm a husband of Esther. <laughs> Esther, I really do. But what if you lived with that sort of shadowy description all your life? They don't know who you really are except in association with someone else. You know, many of you know our father-in-law and Jamie and I, we have the privilege of 
uh, being under the shadow of this great man of God, one of the great church statesmen, uh, Pastor Chungsun Park. And you know, everywhere I go, they may not know me, but when I mention his name, you know, everyone listens. And everyone's interested. But I'm sure Jamie and I, we have the same sentiment that we want to stand on our own as well. You know? We don't want to be just known as somebody else's something. And that's what Andrew found himself in. I think he found himself under the shadow of Peter all throughout his life. But what we see about Andrew is his greatness in the in the fact that he didn't care about the status, he didn't care being secondary, he didn't care being under shadow of somebody. It doesn't matter what people attribute to you, it's who you think you are and what you must do. So Peter, Andrew did the most, most practical thing. He did the most functional thing. He decided, you know what, I'm going to do everything in my power to share Jesus with others. And this is what we see. He heard what John, here is John the Baptist, the prophet, who spoke, because Andrew was initially a disciple of John the Baptist. Now John the Baptist releases him, he's following Jesus, and immediately after he follows Jesus, first thing he decides to do was find his brother, Simon, and tell him, tell him, witness to him, we have found the Messiah. And then he brings him to Jesus. So what is Andrew actually doing? He has become a disciple of Jesus Christ, but he is not feeling sufficient in that reality. He has to go beyond. A true disciple of Jesus must go beyond that. I don't know whether Jinyuk um, had a chance to meditate on this text. He usually knows what I'm going to be preaching beforehand, but his prayer almost was an outline of my message. You know? You know? It's not good enough to just find Jesus. Now we got to share this good news with others. And that has to immediately follow. Not after three years of discipleship, but from day one. I found Jesus. He is real. You should start communicating that with others. A lot of people think um, evangelizing and sharing the gospel is such an elitistic thing to do. It's like it's for the, uh, you know, like the premier... Um, Followers of Jesus. It's not. It's for novices. Let me give you a word of wisdom. You just need to be one step ahead of somebody else to be able to witness to them. That's all you need. You don't need to be hundreds of steps, tens of years ahead of others. No. If you're one step ahead, you got something to contribute to others about Jesus. And that's all you need to do. Are you one step ahead of others? Then you got to share them and bring others along to that level. So we see Andrew as a person who was uh, acting as a bridge or intermediary. And you know, bridge and an intermediary, you don't get much of an honor. You know, you're like, well, he's the important guy. I just introduced you to him, introduce that person to you. That's all you're doing. You're not the main character. But did you know that even Jesus Christ, he always talked about himself in terms of the Father, I want to introduce you to the Father, and Father to be reconciled with you. And he was always playing the role of a mediator. 
You know, I find it no better than to play the role of a mediator than just being the Superman to whom everyone's attention is directed. Be a mediator. This is one of the greatest blessings that you can experience and you can impart to others if you are a mediator, a person who links others, person who is there not for himself but for the sake of others. Be a mediator. Be a reconciler. Be a bridge. Be that connecting point. Because apart from you, they may not be able to find Jesus. But because of you, because of your being there in that situation, finally, people will find their way to Jesus. And let's look at the steps that Andrew took. He first of all heard about Jesus. He was very open and receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Second, he followed Jesus right away. He knew how to submit and obey Jesus. And then he witnessed Jesus, sharing with Jesus and bringing others to Jesus. Hear about Jesus. Always study the Word of God. Wanting to know more about Jesus and what other people are saying about Jesus and their experiences with Jesus. Listen. Be receptive. But the most important thing is becoming a follower of Jesus. You know the term for disciple in Greek is matetes. And matetes, uh, it literally means a learner, a follower, somebody who is teachable, who is always, always trying to learn more and following others. Okay? And so follow Jesus in being submissive and obedient to his word and witnessing Jesus. That comes right after following Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus, you must somehow witness to Jesus. Right now, I'm doing some research for a book that I want to write, and it's all about Jesus. Really, it's not about anything else, but it's about Jesus, and I'm so excited about it. How much more can you say about Jesus? It's all in the Gospels, but I want to say so much more about Jesus. And I'm getting very excited about this. And I feel like I've been talking about a lot of other things in my Christian life. But how can I get people excited about Jesus? I'm not talking about doctrine. I'm not talking about church life. I'm not talking about any other thing. I'm talking about the person of Jesus Christ. That he will be so real to you. That Apostle John says in first of his letters, he says, we witness to, we testify to, we proclaim about this person whom we have actually seen with our own eyes, we have heard with our own ears, we have touched him, we have experienced him, we have felt him. I want to tell you about this Jesus Christ, the Word of God. That's what I want to do. You see, this younger generation, I've even talked to my two daughters who belong to the post-modernism post -mod uh, generation. And, uh, you know, I mean, if I just tell them about you know, just church life and you've got to study the Bible and read, read the Bible and uh, pray and do all the you know, commands of the Lord, that's right. No, no problem with it. That's not the issue. But there's no inspiration in that because they are so tired of just being told you've got to do this, do that. How can I excite them from a different paradigm? How can I... How can I introduce Jesus to them in a way that, what? That's what Jesus is about? You see, 2,000 years ago when people heard about Jesus, they crowded around him because 
They were excited about this person. Who is this person? Who is this person with this kind of charisma, this kind of teaching, this kind of spirituality? Who is it? But today, Jesus Christ is just a doctrine, just a theology, just a knowledge and history. We got to get to the person of Jesus. And we got to talk to Jesus as though we have really, really experienced him and met with him. And we have, we have those moments. And yet, we brush that aside and say, that's the testimony of the past. Now I, I want to talk about theology. No, I think we have no other theology but the theology that's related to Jesus Christ. And let's get to that. Let's get people excited about Jesus. And this is what we see. The pattern of Andrew is always introducing somebody. We see in chapter 6, an incident where he brought the boy with two fish and five loaves of bread. He didn't know what to do with that. Jesus said, what do you have? I want to do a miracle. I want you to feed them, but I want to know what you have. Bring your resources. And the only thing they could find was this boy with two fish and five loaves of bread. And Andrew said, well, um, here's this little boy. I don't know what to do. I, uh, what can, how can we feed the people with this? But anyway, I'm going to introduce this little boy to Jesus. And later on in chapter 12, uh, some Greeks came to Philip. And Philip came to Andrew because somehow Philip felt that Andrew could be the best person to draw these Greeks to Jesus. And Jesus had a chance to communicate with them, you know, and show them who he was. So Andrew was always someone who's sharing Jesus to somebody else and bringing someone along to link to Jesus. He was a mediator. He was a bridge. Well, guess what happened? Amongst all these people that Andrew probably witnessed to, his own brother was the very first. And his own brother will turn out to be the premier disciple of Jesus Christ. You never know who you're going to catch, who you're going to snatch for the kingdom. That person may outdo you in so many ways, but you will be remembered in history because you're the one who evangelized that person. <laughs> Without you, that person could not have come to the Lord or rise in that, into that statue. How would you like to be Andrew who snatched a Peter and hand him over to Jesus and link Jesus to him? And so that's why so many nations claim Andrew as their patron saint, saint. Let me mention some of these countries. Greece, Russia, Ukraine, Romania, and there are others, but the most outstanding is Scotland. <laughs> Have you seen the flag of Scotland and flag of the, actually the Great Britain? It's the X cross. And the legend says that, um, that Andrew, he died a martyr's death in Achaia being nailed to an X-shaped cross because he, like his own brother Peter, who would say, I am not worthy to die on a cross right side up, so crucify me upside down. Andrew says, I, I'm not qualified to be crucified in the properly set cross. Make an X out of it. And he was crucified. So all these nations attribute greatness 
to Andrew. And Andrew, by the way, he was a missionary to so many nations in that region in his own time. He was instrumental in planting the very church in Constantinople. Hallelujah. Isn't it interesting that Peter is known in Rome, Andrew is known in Constantinople, which is considered the second Rome. These two are the premier cities in the early church days that proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter whether you're second or third or whether you're the last, because ultimately, Jesus will consider you who is the last to be the first if you're proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ to others and bringing others to him. Now, let's look at Simon Peter. Very interesting character, isn't it? We think we know so much about him. But I love this text because this text doesn't elaborate a lot about Jesus' relationship, first encounter with Simon Peter a lot. But what it does is, in a succinct way, everything that we need to know, we could imagine. In verse 42, second part, it says, Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Kephas, which when translated is Peter. Jesus did only two things with Peter. He looked at him, then he pronounced a new name unto him. I think he says everything. Have you ever encountered the look of the Lord? Has the Lord ever kind of looked at you, gazed onto you, stared into you? I mean, I'm talking about in a spiritual sense. I'm not talking about a dream encounter. Like, I had a dream encounter where Jesus actually, in that dream, he stared at me. He, he gazed into my soul. And I was like, blown away. But I'm talking about, even in your imagination, do you see him gazing at you? Looking at you? With what kind of eyes will he look at you? Well, in order to get a glimpse as to what this image looks like, I'd like for us to go to the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and 3. Now, the book of Revelation, again, is written by Apostle John, so I think there's a, a flow of thought there. But in this encounter, Jesus declares to each of the seven churches in Asia Minor, he calls them by name, and he says, I know, I know your situation. I know what your city is about. I know the circumstances of your city, what you're going through. I know your weaknesses. It seems like he is kind of rebuking them. Your weaknesses, your flaws. But I know your strength as well. I know your potential. And then he promises them a new identity, a new destiny. What Jesus says to these churches in, in the early uh, churches in Asia Minor is his repetition of the same word. I know you, I know you, I know you, I know you. Does Jesus know you? Are you known by Jesus? Have you experienced the eyes of the Lord where he discerns you in the depth? Don't be afraid of hiding out and just trying to show your good side, show him your bad side, show him your negative side, show him all your past, show him your present situations. 
Come naked before him. Let his eyes discern you. Let his eyes burn deeply into your soul. And may you be touched by the fiery eyes of the Lord. But the amazing thing here is what Jesus says to Peter. He says, first of all, by the way, the name Peter was actually given by Jesus. His original name was basically Simon, which is a, a Greek form of the Hebrew name, which was Shimon. Could you repeat it? Shimon. Shimon. That was his, his name. Shimon, and he was known as the son of John. Again, Shimon was under the shadow of his own father. You know. Now that's like saying Daniel, the son of Ho, Hogun. <laughs> you know? Why do you have to always mention Hogun? Just stand as Daniel. But you see, Peter was also known as the son of John. But now Jesus says, I'm going to give you a pretty independent title, a name, an identity. And Jesus is going to continue to call him and address him by this name. He says, now you will be called Kephas. This is in Aramaic, and it's pronounced Kephas, and it means rock. In Greek, it's Petros. Could you repeat after me? Kephas. Petros. The meaning is the rock. You know, I see movies by the title, The Rock. You know, something, something like The Rock. There are figures, super figures known as The Rock. You know. Now, when Jesus mentioned rock to Peter, do you think Peter felt, yeah, that's why when I always knew I was rock. <laughs> According to other Gospels, this term is mentioned later. And after Peter had known other disciples, after other disciples kind of knew Peter, hung around him, and knew who he was, do you think when they heard Jesus saying, Simon, I call you rock, everybody, yeah, that's right, I agree with that, hallelujah, I, I knew that about Peter. No, I don't think so. I think most of them had a way of like, hmm, I don't know about the Jesus, why would you say that about Simon. Because what we discovered in all of the Gospels actually is not just the super glorious side of Peter. We see a lot of his flaws. All the bumbling mistakes he makes. You know, all the impetuous, impulsive tendency. He would say one thing and he changed his mind. And, you know, he would always vacillate. Remember, he denied the Lord three times. Why not just once? He had to be affirming of his denier three times. No, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. No, I do not know him. Curse be unto me if I... Whatever, you know. That was Peter. And then he goes the other way around and says, oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. <laughs> and I think all throughout his life he had those moments. Even Apostle Paul kind of points out, you know, Peter, I, I've heard of you, so <laughs> I know you were the one of the twelve. I'm not even one of those. I'm not even worthy, but I can't point that out because I know your flaws. And that's why he challenged them in Antioch, remember? Interesting thing is that uh, the term Simon in Hebrew, Shimon, it literally means listen. 
And some scholars think there's something to that. Now, Peter is definitely now listening to what Jesus is saying, but I think maybe he was listening to so many comments of other people. Listening is good. We must learn to listen. I must listen to my wife. I must listen to you. I must listen to others around me to learn. But sometimes we get too much into listening to everybody's opinions. We get so gullible, we don't have our own identity. I listen to my dad. Dad, what do you think about this? I listen to my wife. Dear, what, what do you, what? And she says, oh, why don't you go to God and hear for your own? No, no, I, 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 I'm not sure, but you tell me. Or friends around us influencing us. And we, we're so gullible. If they say this, oh yeah, maybe we should. If they say that, oh yeah. We have opened ourselves up and we have lost discernment. We have lost the sense of solid identity of ourselves. We listen to everybody else. But now Jesus says, I call you rock. From now on, you will be someone who will be reliable, substantial, solid. You will be an anchor upon which everybody else will stand. By the way, one of the premier signs or symbols of Christianity in the early church days was not the fish. A lot of people think it's the fish which is an acronym, ICTUS, which says that Jesus Christ, Son of God, is the Savior of the world, basically. ICTUS. And so that was the sign. But they say that the real premier sign that's related to the fish was the sign of an anchor. Anchor. Why? Because in those days, the early Christians who were suffering so much, who were persecuted, they needed something to anchor themselves, being grounded. And I wonder if that's related to Peter as well, because Peter's name is rock. Something that's solid, upon which you can plant your feet and you can stand. How would you like to be a Christian like that? How would you like to be a disciple of Jesus like that? How would you like to keep your faith to the very end, not allowing the storms of life to shake you? And if you're shaken, then that is for the the testing of you to show you how weak you are in your foundation, that you need to work on your foundation even more. Peter was shaken so much times. I would say his nickname would be Shifty Sand instead of Solid Rock. But he became Solid Rock. He came through. And that's why we are encouraged. When I see the Bible and I see somebody like Peter being the premier disciple of Jesus, and the church's foundation is going to be established on Individuals like Peter, I find a lot of hope. I find a lot of hope. Because I know my weaknesses. I know my flaws. And I know my mistaken past. So if Peter can do it, I can do it. I think that's why Jesus deliberately established Peter instead of one of those high elite Pharisees or Sadducees or Essenes, high spirituality folks who are very familiar with the law, he just took a plain old fisherman like Peter and he made him his premier disciple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that as much as you look at the actuality and the reality of 
an individual, you're more interested in the potentiality of the individuals. Because you see into the future, you see what could happen, Lord. But when we look at ourselves in the present, we see just like Peter, who was just a, a listener, someone who was influenced by others. He was just a son of uh, John. He was just a brother of Andrew. And he didn't even come to Jesus on his own. He took his own brother to usher him to Jesus. And yet, though Peter was lagging behind in so many ways, all throughout the gospel stories, stumbling and falling, denying the Lord, but Lord, he picked himself up and continued to pursue Jesus all the way because of the promise of the prophetic word of Jesus, you will become rock one day. Because I declare to you what I see about you in the future. Now, you are the rock. May we be like Peter, Lord. May we be encouraged. And may we be thankful of people like Andrew, Lord. That we may be also like Andrew, who doesn't really care about the status or position or fame or glory as long as he's introducing others to Jesus and Jesus to them, his reward will be full in heaven. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his countenance towards you and radiate in all his glory, beauty, wisdom, and love. And may you now go forth, standing on the solid rock of faith in Jesus Christ and mediating Jesus as Andrew did, as Peter and the other disciples did. And go forth and declare the goodness of our Lord to others. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.